Good morning. I was talking with some, just a couple of people uh, last week, and we were talking about Memorial Day. Myself, being done serving in the military, Memorial Day, Veterans Day is kind of close to my heart, and I, I usually joke with them and tell them that uh, you don't need Veterans Day off unless you're a veteran or a spouse of a veteran, just kind of joking with them and all, but and then we got talking, he said, uh, oh, he's glad to have it off, he's going fishing, and Joe said, I said, you know, I got thinking about it in my lesson today. To a lot of people, that's all Memorial Day is. It's just a, another day to lay back and go fishing or do what you want. But then I'll take it even a little deeper. Our Memorial Day, the first day of every week. A lot of people look at that as, that's, that's my weekend. That's just another day for me to go and do what I want. It's not what God's word tells us. And it encourages me and blesses my heart to see this many, many we have online that don't see it that way either. We see it for what it really is. First Timothy chapter three, verse 16. First Timothy chapter three, verse 16. <clears throat> and without controversy, greatest the mystery of godliness, God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. In April 1863, in Columbus, Mississippi, after decorating graves of her two sons who died representing their beloved Southland, an elderly lady walked to two mounds of dirt at the corner of the cemetery to play memorial flowers there also. Sheriff her friends holler, what are you doing? Those are the graves of two Union soldiers. Softly that compassionate mother said, I know. I also know that somewhere in the north, a mother or a young wife mourns them if we do for ours. That love indeed set in motion our celebration which has become known as Memorial Day. <clears throat> I know in 1971 they changed it into for all wars and everything. But anyway, we honor the war dead once a year. But their sacrifices is evident every single day of the year. Tomorrow, we will honor the memory of all those who have sacrificed their lives on the altar of freedom. Those thousands of sacrificed lives were not given in vain. Because of their sacrifice, we are free today to have the right to assemble ourselves together and worship our God. Now think of the numbers of those who died to preserve the freedom that we enjoy today. <clears throat> Revolutionary War, 25,324. The Civil War, 498,332. World War I, 116,710. World War II, 
407,316. The Korean War, 54,546. The Vietnam War, 58,098. The First Gulf War, 293. The Iraq War, 819. Now today, I, I don't want to do or say anything to diminish the sacrifice and the service of those men and women who have served our nation so faithfully and so valiantly. But I want to talk about one great soldier. This great soldier stepped onto a harsh battlefield one day. <clears throat> he took up arms and entered the fight knowing that it would cost him everything. This soldier bravely entered that battlefield and won a great victory, but at a terrible price. The great soldier gave his life, not for a nation, but for all of humanity. He was not in life given in vain, but the sacrifice of his life served to set free the captives of sin. Christians, children of God, we see every first day of the week at Memorial Day. We need to remember the sacrifice of heaven's greatest soldier. Today, I want us to remember a man named Jesus and the sacrifice he made for us all. I'm going to look at a few phrases from Psalms. One was God was manifested in the flesh. Now this reminds us of one of the greatest events in human history. It reminds us that the moment when the Creator, God Himself, stepped out of eternity in the time He came into this world as a human baby. Now like every soldier who has ever served in the armed forces, when Jesus came to His earth, He also left His home. He had existed in a place of perfection, free from sin, pain, suffering, and sorrow. He originated in the land where he was exalted, honored, and worshipped. But yet he willingly left all that behind to enter into the sin-cursed, hate-filled world. He came to a world where even those who had longed for his appearing would eventually reject him. John chapter 1 verse 11. John chapter 1 verse 11. And he came to a land where he would be ridiculed, hatred, and eventually killed. Yet he came anyway. God came to the earth and robed himself in human flesh. John chapter 1 verse 1. Also John chapter 1 verse 14. John chapter 1 verses 1 and 14. He lived as a man among men and died as a man to redeem mankind for our sins. May we never forget that our Savior is no ordinary man, but He is God in human flesh. When a soldier enters the military forces, <clears throat> he ceases to wear the clothes he wore as a civilian. He dons the uniform of his nation. When Jesus came into the world, 
He willingly concealed his heavenly frame with him and took on an earthly frame. He took upon himself the body of a man. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 8. Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Now here was God, the creator of the universe, born as a baby in Bethlehem. Here was God to whom belonged the whole world and the fullness thereof. Everything belonged to him but yet had no place to lay his head. Matthew chapter 8, verse 20. Here was God who had made everything that was, and who said, Psalms chapter 50, verse 12, Psalm 50, 12, If I were hungry, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine, and the fullness thereof. Psalm 50, and 12. He was dependent upon a human mother for his necessary food. Because Jesus left heaven and came into this world. He knew the pain, the suffering. He knew the rejection, the hunger, the thirst, the loneliness, and many other of the problems that are we face every day, the part of the human condition. He suffered all that that he did so that he could feel our pain and know how to comfort us when our trials come. Hebrews chapter 4. Verses 14 and 16. Hebrews 4, 14 and 16. Also Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18. Hebrews 2, 18 and 1 Peter 5 and 7. When Jesus came into the world as a man, he lived his life as a man. He died on the cross as a man. He arose again from the dead. He ascended back into heaven. And we are assured he will return. He willingly laid aside his omnipresence and limited himself to a human body because he loved us. Then Paul said, He was justified in the Spirit, seen of the angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world. Now in these four short phrases, Paul tells us, about the earthly ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul exalts him for his accomplishments. And to remember his perfect service. The phrases justified in the spirit and seen of angels speak of the divine approval that was upon his life and his work. Jesus did all that he did not as a God but as a spirit-filled man, he perfectly accomplished what Adam failed to do. The miracles, the powerful teaching, the changed lives and the statements of God the Father, Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. Matthew 3 and 17. Also, Matthew 17 and 5. Matthew 17 and 5. Proves that Jesus was operating under divine approval. God the Father saw the service he rendered and he was pleased. Another proof that God's sanction was upon the Lord Jesus is the statement seen of angels. From the announcement of his birth in Luke chapter 2 to the angels' ministry to him at his temptations in Matthew chapter 4 to the angels who spoke to the women at the empty tomb Jesus was a recipient of angelic presence. They watched as their creator was born. 
They watched him live among men and fulfill the plan of God. They watched with their hands on the hilt of their swords that he died, just waiting for his orders to come and fight for him. Matthew 26, 53. But he loved us enough that he didn't call for them. How the angels must have wondered as the plan of salvation was accomplished at Calvary. Now when Jesus came into the world, he was born, he lived, and he died without sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21 2 Corinthians 5.21 1 Peter 2.21 and 22 1 Peter 2.21-22 He perfectly fulfilled the law of God and His service was accepted by the Father. That's why we don't have to keep the law of Moses today. Jesus had already satisfied all the demands of God. Now 1 John chapter 2 verse 2 1 John chapter 2 verse 2 also, Romans chapter 3 and 25. Romans 3, 25. His work had been accepted by the Father and then imputed to all those who believe in Him by faith and works. Romans 4, 24. And then we'll remember His perfect sacrifice. We might sacrifice one day a week. One evening a week. God, Jesus sacrificed everything. The phrase justified in the Spirit also speaks about the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. You see, Jesus did not just come to this world to live, but He also came to die. Mark 10, 45. Mark 10, 45. Also, John 18 and 57. John 18 and 57. And die He did. Jesus, the perfect, sinless Son of God, was taken to a place called Calvary or Golgotha and nailed to a cross. He did not die because he was a bad man. He did not die because he deserved it. Death, after all, was reserved for sinners, for criminals, evil people. Romans 6 and 23. Romans 6 and 23. He died because he came into the world to save sinners. 1 Timothy 1 and 15. 1 Timothy 1 and 15. I'm going to flip over right quick. I'm still here. 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 15 tells us, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. If he was going to save sinners, then he would have to die and he did. Hebrews 9, 22. Hebrews 9, 22. <clears throat> now when Jesus died on the cross, he suffered in a way that we probably can't even imagine. Isaiah 52 and 14. Isaiah 52 and 14. But all of his suffering was for one reason. Each and every one of us, as well as those before us and those who will come after us, he died so that we might have life. He endured the cross so that we might be saved. He shed His blood to redeem us from our sins and make it possible for each and every one of us to be saved. His death made whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10 and 13. A real 
possibility. So let us remember today a man named Jesus who took our sins upon himself and died in our place on the cross. Now, of course, after Jesus died, he was buried in a tomb and sealed up. Three days later, he was justified in the spirit. When God brought him back from the dead, resurrected him up, this is further proof that Jesus was who he claimed to be. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead was God's amen to everything that Jesus claimed to be. Because he died and raised again, his death has value. Now any lost person can bow before him, call on his name, and through faith and work in his death and resurrection be saved forever by the grace of God. Now talking about his sacrifice and everything, I want us to remember his salvation. We are told that Jesus was priest unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world. Again, we are reminded that his life and death were not just for him. He died. He did that what he did because he had a plan to save the lost. It wasn't like he was tired of all the pain, the aggravation and everything, so he just went to the cross to get out of the end of suffering. He did it to end our suffering, to help get us, to bring us from a lost, a sinful state into a saved state. His salvation is proclaimed. Here Paul reminds us of the rejection of Jesus by the Jews. John chapter 1 verse 11. John 1 11. Of how the gospel came to a people who did not know God. What grace that God would allow his glorious gospel to be preached among people who did not know him. And also to people who didn't want him. He sent his saving gospel to people who were helpless and hopelessly lost in sin. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 4. Ephesians 2, 1 through 4. Also, Ephesians chapter 2 verses 12 and 13. Now what grace that God would reach out to people who are so vile and so wicked. What grace that God would fix it so that we could be saved from a life of sin. What grace that we were allowed to hear about so great a salvation. What grace that the word of God came to our hearts in glory and a demonstration of power, Romans 10, 17. Romans 10 and 17. We can just say thank you God for the proclamation of the gospel. And then I want to look about speaking of his salvation. His salvation is powerful. We are told by the phrase, believed on in the world, <clears throat> that his, this gospel message is a powerful one. Romans chapter 1 verse 16. Romans 1 and 16. It offers the lost sinner the opportunity to be saved by his grace. Acts 13 and 48. Acts 13 and 48. Now I praise the Lord for the, for the day that his gospel was preached not only just to my ears, but also to my lost dead heart. We thank God that the Spirit of God regenerated our dead souls and gave us the faith to believe in Him. We praise God for His salvation today. Now that's why we must never give up on the lost. We should never look at anyone as being so lost that they can't be saved because any and everyone can be saved. They have the opportunity 
to be saved. We never know when or where the Lord will move his power and save that precious soul. We thank God that he is in the saving business. May we always remember his ascension. He was received up into glory. Now here Paul is challenging us to remember that the ascension of Jesus back into heaven after his resurrection. There is far more to his ascension than him just raising back into heaven. There's a threefold blessing here that we need to examine and remember today. First of all, the glory of his ascension. After accomplishing his earthly mission, Jesus ascended back to his heavenly home and was enveloped in the glory he had before he was born in Bethlehem. Acts chapter 1, verse 9 through 11. Acts 1, 9 through 11. Also in Philippians chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. Philippians 2, 8 through 11. Now when we see him on that day, he would not be that lowly Nazarene as he was called. When we see him then, he will shine as a uh, glory brighter than that of our sun. He will be the light of heaven, according to Revelations 21, 23. If you could see him today, you would be awestruck with his glory, I do believe. Blinded by his brilliance and speechless in his presence. We serve a glorious Lord today. And one day, his servants will see him. Revelations 22 and 4. Then I want to look at the grace of his ascension. When Jesus ascended, the Bible tells us that he sat down at the right hand of God. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12. Hebrews 10 and 12. He ascended back to heaven as our high priest. There at the right hand of God in heaven, Jesus makes intercession for you and me as we journey through this land towards our home. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. Hebrews 7, 25. Also Romans chapter 8, 34. Romans 8, 34. We need to thank God for a friend in high places. Thank God for one who pleads our cases in the courtroom of glory. He prays for us that he is our advocate against the attacks of the enemy. 1 John 2 and 1. 1 John 2, chapter 2, verse 1. That is the grace greater than we can ever imagine. And then I want to look at, my last one is, the gravity of his ascension. When Jesus ascended back into heaven, he did so with that promise that he would return again someday. Acts chapter 1, verse 11. Acts 1, 11. Also John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. John 14, 1, 3. The fact that he is returning for his people adds an element of gra gravity to his return. For when he comes, he's not coming again for everyone take back to heaven with him. He is only coming for his people. He is coming only for those to, I'm saying coming, I mean to take a home in heaven with him. He is only coming for those who, who are saved by his grace or are washed in his blood. We need to be sure that we are in a saved relationship with our heavenly father. So that when, we, when he comes, we can go to heaven to be with him for all eternity. Matthew 24 and 44. Matthew 24, 44. We have to have faith in our Heavenly Father. We have to have faith that what he tells us in his words will come true. 
I'm reminded of a soldier who was fighting in the Southern Pacific. The battalion had come in and they took over a small island. And they all decided they wanted that American flag raised. They were so proud of it. Nine soldiers climbed that pole to hang that flag. All nine of them were shot down before they got the flag to the top. So the captain told us, said, we all want that flag on top of that pole. He said, but I'm not going to command to order either one of y'all to do it, but I would appreciate a volunteer. The story went, this little tall, lanky fella from Ohio stepped forward and said, I'll do it. He said, on well, one condition. We wait to exactly 4.30, and I'll go out and hang that flag. When the captain got the major, and they kind of, they were kind of stunned with his, his conditions. It being early in the morning, I said, okay, no problem. If you'll do it, we'll do it. 4.30 right on the dot. This young man steps up out of his foxhole, bullets hitting all around him, picks the flag up and walks to the pole, climbs it, and hangs the flag and slides back down the pole and comes back to the foxhole where the bullets hitting. Unharmed. When it's all over and they all got back, Several of them went to him and asked him, said, you, that's the most bravest thing we'd ever seen. We have never seen such bravery in our life. What, 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 what was the deal with 4.30? He said, sir, I'm from a small farming town in Ohio. He said that my whole life, I never heard, hardly ever left more than 50 miles. He said, but when I joined this army, and they sent me halfway across the country. He said, I was scared. He said, I cried in my mama's arms for a week. And she said, son, always remember one thing. Every day at 4.30, I'm going to say a special prayer for your protection. He said, you see, sir, that's why I had to wait till 4.30. Because I know when my mama praying, Heavenly Father is going to protect me. That's the same thing that we need to take with this virus that we're facing today. With everyone praying for us, our Heavenly Father is there. Stop and think that our Heavenly Father loves us so much that he allowed his only begotten son, this wonderful soldier I just talked to you about this morning. He allowed him to die so that we can be saved. Don't you think that he loves us enough to protect us from anything else? Before uh, my lesson this morning, we sang a song, Who Will Follow Jesus? Hopefully, and I pray and ask God to direct my words before I even come up. I pray and ask him to give me the words to say. Hopefully, when we prepare to sing this next song, I have decided to follow Jesus. Maybe I said something. God's word has said something to help us make that decision. Help us decide to follow Jesus. So in closing, kind of brief up right quick, that over 1.1 million men and women have died to guarantee our freedom as Americans. They gave their all so that we might enjoy all the blessings of this great land. As I said earlier, tomorrow, we're going to honor their memory and their sacrifice. 
We're going to thank God for every one of them. But I would remind you that every first day of the week is Memorial Day. One might ask why. One day, heaven's greatest soldiers came to this earth and died to give us eternal freedom from the penalty, the power, and the presence of sin. Thank God for this unspeakable gift that was given to us. May we, the redeemed, never forget who Jesus is, what he has done for us, and where he has taken us someday. My question is, are you ready to meet him? Are your sins under his blood today? Have you been baptized and trusted to Jesus as your personal Savior? Or if not, or maybe if you have, but just stepped out of God's relationship and need the prayers and the encouragement of, the, of others, then I invite you to come forward and we sing the song of invitation. I have decided to follow Jesus.